Chapter 124. The Manor Road, Peru. Search for the Black Tinamou. Arriving in Cusco, we went to the bus office and found our Cock of the Rock bus to Pilcopata, left at 8.30am the following morning. The shopping took ages and we split it into two and took half the supplies to the office of the tourist agency that had offered to take our bag with a departing tour so we didn't have to lug the whole lot on our walk down the Manor Road. It was a really busy day, but finally we had all our camping equipment and food for four days packed and ready. We took a taxi down to the Gaito de las Rocas bus company office. The bus left just three times a week to the town of Pilcopata, down the Manor Road. We were going to pass here, but my plan was to take the bus to the ridge at the top of the road and walk down for four days. This is where the buffer zone of the Manu National Park started, and the trek I'd planned was supposed to be one of the best birdwatching destinations in South America. We got dropped off at a place called Akhanako, the highest point and the start of the Manu Road, at about 2.30pm. It was cold and misty up there, and the characteristic elfin forest looked really eerie. A couple of young women got off the bus at the same spot, and they said they were volunteer park guards. They offered us shelter in their base a few minutes away, but I wanted to get moving. I didn't know how long it was going to take us to get to the place I wanted to camp. The mist and the hour meant that we didn't see many birds. One nice one that we did see, however, was a hooded mountain tanager. To bird up here, it would have been better to camp and do it in the morning. I regretted not getting off the bus lower down. Still, it was pretty, and my girlfriend even seemed to enjoy herself, despite carrying a backpack that looked bigger than herself. The road winded down, and luckily there were some shortcuts which saved us a lot of time. From where we got off the bus at about 3,600 metres elevation, we were soon several hundred metres lower, and already the habitat was changing with bigger trees. It was getting late and I started to worry about where to pitch our tent. Further up there had been lots of flat open areas, but further down it got steeper and there were no suitable places off the road. We reached the edge of a small valley where there was a path leading down. I was going to go down and check it out, but some workmen came up and told me that it was private property. I asked them where a good place to camp would be, and they told me that the little village of Esperanza. I asked if it was far, and they said it wasn't. That's the thing with Peruvians, always misinforming you. I don't know if they do it on purpose, or if they just have no concept of time and space. It was miles away, and we arrived there well after dark, which is exactly what I didn't want to happen. My girlfriend thought that the guys looked a bit dodgy, and was afraid that we were going to get attacked in the middle of the night. I thought it was unlikely, but still, it's always nice to camp somewhere where no one knows you're there. The place we found was a nice little grassy area, up a little slope from the road. It was a perfect place to camp, really, but we had to pitch the tent and cook dinner in the dark, which was a bit difficult. Still, we'd finished our first day on the Manu Road. Hopefully the birding will pick up from now on. I took myself off birding nearby at first light. It had been really cold at night and not terribly comfortable. The birding nearby was absolutely incredible. I saw about five lifers in as many minutes. Pretty amazing considering how long I've been birding in South America. There was a really beautiful golden-collared tanager and some mountain caciques giving a whole host of weird calls. I went back to the tent about 8am and we had a nice warm breakfast of porridge cooked on our new little gas stove. After that I carried all the dirty pots and cutlery down to a little waterfall to wash up before we packed up and set off. As we made our way down from 2,800 metres, the vegetation was constantly changing. The trees got taller and lusher, and the whole place felt a lot more tropical. 
About 2,400 meters, the trees were loaded with moss and bromeliads, and a beautiful crystal clear waterfall cascaded down the side of a cliff. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Even in the afternoon, there were loads of birds around, all completely different from a couple of hundred meters higher up. We had to stay here. I couldn't wait to bird this place in the morning. There was no obvious spots to camp, but I saw a little trail and followed it to where there was a little piece of flat land just big enough for our tent, and also mostly hidden from the road. Perfect. We pitched a tent and started cooking dinner. I went back to the main road to see if the tent was completely hidden, but the bright turquoise on the top was still visible, so I collected a few tropical ferns from nearby and laid them on top to camouflage it. One person had to sleep on a 45-degree angle, so it was even more uncomfortable than the night before. It was still very high here, but there were already a lot of insects around. I hoped that they wouldn't get too much worse further down. I had high expectations the next morning, but it got sunny and hot really quickly. I didn't see too much more than I had the previous afternoon. We had the same breakfast again, and I washed up in a beautiful little waterfall nearby. The day got hotter and hotter, and in the middle of the day, birding was non-existent. We seemed to walk forever, and I couldn't find any of the little settlements written in my book. Eventually, we found a friendly woman working away in her field. She seemed happy for a bit of conversation and gave us some info. About an hour further down was a place called Suisa. There were supposedly a few houses and a little shop selling cookies. Before we got there, I heard the strangest sound in the trees. It was unlike any bird that I've ever heard, and when I finally got a look at what was shaking the branches, I saw a woolly monkey, named because of its thick hair to keep it nice and warm in the mountains. When we got to Suisa, it was completely abandoned, but at least there was a nice piece of flat land behind one of the shacks, hidden from the road, where it looked like they used to grow vegetables. It had a nice view over the valley, and I was expecting a better night's sleep, but for some reason, even though we were getting lower and lower, it didn't seem to be getting any warmer. There were loads of midges here too, and tempers were starting to fray. I was freezing for most of the night and couldn't sleep. I just lay there shivering until it started to get light. To make up for it, the birding was phenomenal, totally different again from just a little further up. We had a steaming pot of porridge when I got back, which was just what the doctor ordered. My girlfriend looked really tired as we packed up and set off on the last leg. Her face had come out in some cold sores, which wasn't a good sign. The birding was great all the way down, and it seemed such a waste to be spending so little time here. At midday, we stopped by the side of the road for lunch, mashed potatoes from a packet mix with cheese and vegetables. It was nice and warm, and there was a beautiful waterfall falling by the side of the road, so I took the opportunity to have a long-awaited shower. I stripped off and walked under it to get pounded by icy water. Talk about refreshing. I hoped no cars would pass and catch me in the nude. We continued down the hill, and a beautiful valley came into view. All the way down we could see the little town of San Pedro, and before that what must be Cock of the Rock Lodge, our final destination on the Manu Road. My girlfriend stopped to take a break, and all of a sudden started screaming. I thought she'd been attacked by a snake or something, but she pointed down the hill into a bit of shady forest. That bird, she said. She meant the Andean Cock of the Rock, which I'd shown her a picture of. She'd seen it before me, which is a bit frustrating. When we made it down into the valley below, it was really like paradise. There was another luxury lodge called the Manu Cloud Forest Lodge. Such a beautiful setting. Crystal clear mountain stream, big beautiful trees covered in tropical looking bromeliads. 
Luckily, the cock of the rocks were common in this stretch, and by the time we had arrived, we must have seen about twenty of them. Arriving at the lodge, I tracked down the manager, who said he'd been expecting me the day before. A little minibus arrived with a couple of American tourists and their guide. The plan was that we were going to camp there tonight and take the bus down with them to Atalaya tomorrow. That's where the boats leave from to get to Manor Wildlife Centre. We spoke to the driver, who we hoped had our bag of food, but he didn't, and hadn't even heard about us. Slightly worrying. Our last night's camp on the Manor Road was a bit more luxurious than up until now. We had a kind of wooden platform with a roof, and we finished off the last of our instant noodles. Having a roof over our heads and a wooden floor, I left my camera outside the tent at night and woke to find it full of condensation. That gave me an awful sick feeling in my stomach. I went off to search a trail for the black tinamou. Barry Walker told me that he'd seen it here once. I didn't find it and saw precious little else, just lots of youngest mannequins calling away and the garden full of beautiful hummingbirds like booted racket tail and the wire-crested thorn tail. We packed up our stuff and went down to the minibus to inform the driver that we were coming with them. The two tourists were a mother and daughter from the States. They were very nice and chatty. The guide called Fiorella seemed pretty knowledgeable on birds, but wasn't over-friendly. I asked about our bag, but no one knew anything about it, so we asked to stop at the large town of Pilcopata to buy supplies for the next few days. While the others had a stroll around town, we rushed around the market in a mad panic, trying to buy enough to keep us alive until our supplies arrived, which I was assured would be in a couple of days. We arrived in Atalaya, where the tourists went across the river to stay in a luxury lodge, while we checked into a cheap little hostel above a shop. Still, it felt like the Ritz, our first night in the bed for five days. I spent about an hour under a cold shower getting clean and washing clothes. We went down to eat a proper meal in the restaurant overlooking the river. It was full of drunks doing karaoke, but luckily we managed to avoid their curiosity. We saw our first macaws, red and green, flying over the river, squawking away, and we finally felt that we were in the jungle. We took a little walk along the river, but got totally lost and very sweaty, and there were no birds. As the sun started to set, we walked over to the pebbly beach and sat on a log, breathing in the cool mountain air. It put us in a very pensive mood, and we had a long chat about the future, which is never good. I still have no idea what I'm going to do when my money runs out. 